Hi everyone, and welcome to a very special two-part episode on, well, not perfect. This episode is close to my heart because it hits home for me. You guys may or may not know that I was a Division I volleyball player who experienced a sudden career-ending injury that caused me to spiral into anxiety and depression. In those years, I discovered the value of mental health and the importance of mental health in athletes. I have since dedicated my career to helping athletes never suffer in silence again, and I did this over a decade ago because in mental health, there was no support like it is today. So in honor of World Suicide Awareness Prevention Month, I am highlighting the very special nonprofit organization, Morgan's Message. Morgan's Message is an organization striving to break the stigma around mental health in the athletic community. Morgan was a Division I lacrosse player at Duke, and she silently suffered from depression after her career-ending injury. She died by suicide in 2019 at the age of 22. After this tragic loss, her friends and family created a program that now helps hundreds of athletes across the country. I feel so deeply connected to this organization because like them, I discovered the importance of my life's mission after the game was over. For me and the athletes who are involved with Morgan's message, our mission is to pour energy into the athletic community so that no one has to suffer alone again. Join me in part one and welcome Morgan's teammates and friends, Claire and Kat. Their words inspire all of us to care for one another and never be afraid to ask if someone needs help. You have no idea what someone's really going through. And even just smiling at a stranger on the street can make someone's day. So I think I always try to remember, in addition to listening to someone, recognizing that I probably really have no idea what's going on in their life. And if they want to share that, great. And if they do share it, I need to listen without judgment. In today's episode, you'll learn how to balance the need of friends with your needs as well, how to set gentle and loving boundaries, and what to do when a friend needs your help. Be sure to check out the show notes to find out how you can connect with Claire and Kat and Morgan's message and learn how you can get involved in the fight to end stigma against mental health. Welcome to another episode of Well, Not Perfect. Welcome to the episode for Morgan's message. And I have two guests, Claire and Kat here, and I'll let them introduce themselves. So Claire, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, so I'm Claire Kehoe. I have known Morgan most of my life. We grew up playing club lacrosse, so travel across together since middle school. Uh, we became fast friends on our team, even though we never actually went to school together. And then I had the privilege of actually going to Duke with her as well, where Morgan was on the D1 lacrosse team there, and I actually played club lacrosse. And then my senior spring, after Morgan's injury, she actually joined the club lacrosse team for one season. So we kind of got one final go together. Uh, for Morgan's message, I am a co-founder and then I'm the director of education. So my role basically is coordinating all of our awesome high school and college ambassadors and athletes who are bringing Morgan's message to their campuses. And Kat, how about you? Um, my name is Kat. I grew up around the same area as Claire and Morgan um, and ended up playing uh, D1 lacrosse with Morgan at Duke University. I was the grade above her, so we overlapped for three years. And for Morgan's message, I am a co-founder and podcast host slash director of, I guess, all things podcasting would be the easiest way to to put that. So overseeing just, you know, anything that falls under the podcast umbrella. 
so great that you guys have really taken this experience and turned it into a passion and a purpose. And I think that that's what a lot of people are looking to do in their college years is to define themselves and figure out how they're going to make an impact on this world and not just make a paycheck. I'm curious how you guys have used this life experience to inform like the decisions that you've made in your career or your love life or your location where you live. Like how has this experience for you changed you? So I have a pretty direct answer to that. So um, while I was undergrad, I majored in neuroscience. I've always been academically interested in mental health and I was on the pre-med track for all of college and graduated in June, uh, May of 2019. And then we lost Morgan two months after that. So I would just moved to New York, was working in a clinical research job there unrelated to mental health and then was finally getting settled and then we lost Morgan. So I was absolutely all over the place just trying to figure out my adult life and kind of what had happened and how I was going to react to it. And it really honestly changed the course of what I wanna do with my life. Um, I decided that med school really wasn't the best thing for me, um, kind of went out on a limb, kind of took away my pride of that I had completed all the hard pre-med classes and really explored what else was out there and what was really going to fulfill me. Um, Morgan was kind of always such a light and so encouraging. So I kind of knew that she would be supporting me through whatever I decided to ultimately switch to. Um, and that became nursing. So I actually will be starting nursing school this fall. And I eventually want to become a nurse practitioner, most likely in psych mental health, really inspired by everything that has happened. Um, and then all of the people I have met through starting Morgan's Message has made me really realize how much of a problem this is in our country um, and how much kind of mental health care professionals are um, limited and that there's really such a demand for them and that I really feel now more than ever that my purpose is to dedicate my life to this. Yeah. Thank you. And Kat, how about for you? Yeah, I, my kind of, I would say pivot, like Claire's pivot came um, with Morgan's passing. Mine came a little before then, like a year and a half, two years, because I had my own mental health journey uh and I kind of woke up one day and was like life's too short to like do something I'm not passionate about like that was my my almost like reawakening of like you only get one life like I want to do it serving others and also doing something I want to do like I don't want to be I don't want my job to make me miserable like I I it's unrealistic to wake up every day and be like I love my job I can't wait to log on to work and you know I feel like that to a certain extent um but my own mental health struggle kind of made me want to go into retail and brand management because I knew those were things that I was really passionate about and I actually was public policy in undergrad um the perfect mix of quantitative and qualitative studies uh but but really didn't have any connection. And I was thinking about like consulting finance that didn't really work. And then when Morgan passed, I had just graduated from a one-year program at Duke getting my master's in business or like technically master's in business, but only half of it. Um, and I actually took somewhat of a hiatus after Morgan passed to kind of like 
clear, clear the head, reevaluate, rewrite the ship. I had been looking for jobs. And um, that was also like a moment of reflecting on who I wanted to be more so and the kind of values and morals. I get choked up every time I talk about like, oh, Morgan's Hesse, but um, kind of my morals and, you know, when people either saw me on the street or talked about me or just kind of like who I was as a person, I wanted to just like reevaluate and make sure that I was living for something bigger than myself and that I was someone anyone could come to and know they had a friend in me, they had a support system. And that even if I didn't have the answer on hand, I could find it or I could find them these resources. Is personal growth something that you've always been interested in, but you haven't really known where to start? If your answer is yes, then I wrote an entire planner series with you in mind. This planner series is broken down into five steps that are focused on helping you become more resilient and confident. Each step includes pages of insight and skills from my personal and professional experiences and ends with 30 days of space for you to practice what you've learned. It's as simple as that. Five steps towards growth and resilience. Learn more at www.buplanner.com. And be sure to check out the subscription option, which gets you a planner delivered to your door every month for the next five months. Since you're a well, not perfect listener, you can get 10% off your order using code. Well, not perfect. Happy growing. I wanted to really get into how her passing influenced your life. And it took you guys into like all these different directions and pivots. And you took time to kind of figure that out. Did you guys intentionally take time off when she passed to really think about this? Or did you try to live life for a while and then realize that you couldn't really live that normal life again and kind of like were, was forced to step back and take a break? How did you handle it? I, I got lucky. And at the time, I didn't feel lucky. I had been looking for a job and just like doors slammed in faces. Like think like flying out to interview weekends where you're like put up in a hotel and then just absolutely ghosted. Um, And I had been so high strung about the job search and kind of like my worth. um, And I was placing too much worth on like getting a job. And then Morgan had passed and that kind of went out the window. Like I was like, I don't give a fuck about a job right now. Like, sorry, I don't know if I'm out of curse, but I was like, that seems like so minuscule to like the bigger picture of life and like losing someone that I love and cherished. And oddly enough, I like interviewed like two weeks after Morgan's passing and wasn't even going to go. Like, I was like, I cannot do this. Like, I am such in this like cloud, got the job, was supposed to start a month later. And in God's weird way of like kind of giving me time, it got pushed six months. So I was able to take the fall to like nanny coach kind of deal with my feelings through therapy and through all these other things to really digest emotionally what happened and kind of how to best like move forward. Got it. And like when you're in that process where you're grieving and trying to build your life at your age when you were 22, 23 or 24, did you have friends around you that sometimes like hit a home run and really supported you? And then there were times where friends like swung and missed. I mean, tell me a little bit about how 
you experienced support from friends and like maybe the goods and the bads of how it went down. Yeah, I can take this one. Um, I think for me, so I guess where I was at when this all happened, I had started my job three weeks earlier in a new city. So I unfortunately didn't have kind of a massive space to try and process it, which I think in the moment for me was what I needed. Um, I am very much someone that likes to have a busy schedule. And at the beginning, my bosses were great and I went into work late every single day just because I couldn't get out of bed to be completely honest. And they were super understanding but I also think it was initially a good distraction just because I didn't know what to do with my emotions. Like this really was, I mean, I still remember when my mom called me, I was at work and it just hit me. I didn't know what to do. I was kind of paralyzed for a couple of days. So for me, that's kind of what I did. And then what was great is I had a lot of friends who just the simple things, sending me a text, sending me a funny gift, something just to show that they were there. Um, and really, I think what was helpful was that they weren't overbearing. They weren't forcing me to talk about it. Cause I honestly, at the beginning, I had no idea what was going on. Like I was scatterbrained and, um, and then at the point where I was ready to talk about it, um, knowing that they had kind of been there all along ready when I needed them, I could really open up to them. Um, I think something that's really hard and this isn't to discount anyone trying to support someone through this, but. Um, I had had kind of grandparents pass away. I had people in my life pass away, but it was so different having someone that was so young and unexpected that I had just never dealt with that type of grief before. And unfortunately, I think it's really something that as much as anyone can try and support you through it at the end of the day, you're never going to get it until it's happened to you. And I hope that it doesn't happen to people, but it's really something that I now, especially having dealt with it, um, unfortunately had a couple of friends who lost um, a loved one to suicide a year later and I immediately reached out to them just letting them know that if you ever need anyone I'm here not that you need to come to me but I also get it and a lot of people might hopefully won't get it um, but I think the biggest thing is just letting your friends know that you're there for them in whatever way that is. For me, it was great, the kind of comic relief of the little funny thing, texts I'd get, but, and just letting them know that when they're ready and they need you, that you are there, but not forcing a conversation that they might not be ready to have. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because what you're saying is that once you experience something so specific, it's like those people in that club are the only ones that can kind of get it or understand it or you don't have to feel like you are over explaining it and reliving it. So that's sort of prob that's sort of a natural phenomena that happens with our emotions and our minds. You can't force someone to get something if they haven't lived through it. Um, but there's just a different variation of support. You know, it's if you're in the club, it's one type of support. If you're not in it, it's a different type of support. Um, and, you know, I think what you said, and I have found true in my own process of grief and losing, um, you know, being close friends with people who have, um, lost people by suicide is the consistency, you know, consistently checking in. And I'd suggest setting your calendar alert, you know, every other day, setting an alert in your calendar that says text Claire 
um, you know, send a card to cat once a month or something and just set it up in your calendar where it's like your own boundary because the support that we get from people, consistency is the most important thing, but you don't want to overdo it and underdo it. So my question now is what are good, um, boundaries that you put in place for yourself so that Claire, if you're supporting Kat or Kat, you're supporting Claire, what are the boundaries you put in place so you don't overextend yourself? Because when you overextend yourself with lacking boundaries, there is a kind of an after effect to that. And we can talk about what those after effects are, but how do you guys know when you can do the support authentically and when you can't like how do you do that? Or how have you practiced that so far? I think for me, so I, I think learned the hard way of through multiple friendships of friends who were needing support that I over-involved myself to my own detriment um, to the point where I actually really had to utilize my own therapy to kind of draw those boundaries. Um, so I think I've learned a lot from that, but um, I think the biggest thing to remember, one, not only overstepping your friend needing or wanting your support, but also recognizing that you as a friend are not a professional and that there are obviously so many things you can do to support your friend, but at the end of the day, you are not qualified to be the one um, working them through therapy, basically. Um, and I think, like I said, I had to learn that through doing, and I've wish I could go back on some of it because I really got to the point where I was spending every waking hour so invested in someone else in a way that was unhealthy for me because I wasn't qualified or ready to take on that role and I shouldn't have taken on that role so I think the biggest thing is obviously supporting your friend but also supporting yourself it's really really challenging to be that person for someone um, at the same time it can be so rewarding when you see them kind of on the up, but at the end of the day, remembering um, that your role as your, their friend is to support them and also guide them to the further help they might need um, and recognizing your limits and your expertise and the role you're taking on. And you're just kind of one piece in the puzzle to their kind of support system. Yeah, and to stay consistent with um, your self-care because when you take care of yourself, you can take care of other people better um, so like in my life, I'm learning that I can work X amount of hours a day, but then after that, I know I'm going to be really exhausted at night. And so I have to know when I'm going to be exhausted because there's just long days. And then I have to know the nights where I shouldn't be exhausted because I really want to go out and see a friend or something. So I feel like my boundaries with my friends start with my self-care because if I take care of myself, I'm much more prepared to be with them and do it like in a conscious way, rather than being like, yes, I can do this. And yes, I can do that. And then being burned out at the end of the day and, um, lacking consistency. I mean, for me, friendship is consistency. So I always try to do that. And I know I'll become inconsistent if I'm burning out. Pat, how about for you? I mean, what did you kind of experience with your own sort of boundaries of this is how much I can support others. And this is how much I have to support myself. Yeah, I'm an empath and I'm also Pisces, uh, but some very <laughs> emotionally like 
astute but emotional myself and I have these these waves and people I think from the outside sometimes I just appear like happy-go-lucky all the time um because that's like my external persona the biggest thing I do with my boundaries is like I have to have time to what I call like recharging my battery and I'll literally slot um every day even if it's just like 10 minutes of listening to a podcast or 10 minutes of reading or 10 minutes of whatever it is 30 minutes whatever that looks like to and that's like my biggest I guess like boundary of if someone's like texting me or something's needed and even if it's like not necessarily you know a friend struggling um I think that's like bringing that into my routine has helped a lot just with my almost like performance of being a friend and being a support system. Um, like I ran myself pretty ragged the past few, few months, few weeks. And I realized that like, I just didn't even have the emotional capacity to like respond to text messages to friends or even like call friends. And so that's like one part, the other part of drawing boundaries is I found that a lot of times when you're trying to support your friends you have to start recognizing and this I guess for me I had to start recognizing when I was actually supporting someone or if I was enabling them and what I mean by enabling is when the conversations turn into like a bitch fest of this isn't going right and this isn't going right and it's this and it's that and it's like oh, well, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And they're like, no, no, no. And to me, it's like chasing my tail around. And it's hard when someone doesn't want to get the help. Like you can't force someone to get the help. And another kind of, I guess, like boundary or stop gate that I would put up would be just like talking about my experience with therapy instead of being like, hey, maybe you should go see a therapist. I, I'll kind of phrase it as, I had a great session with my therapist this week. Like, and I love therapy. I'm the biggest person to like talk about like how much therapy helps. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, somewhat of a boundary. I think everything, I think a common misconception is that boundaries look somewhat similar person to person. And that's not the case. Like what my boundaries might be or like what I need to do to be my best as like a friend or an ally is not going to look the same identical or maybe even close to like Claire right so I think figuring out it's almost like a learning process like what works what feels good for you um and allows you to kind of be your best and also I you can't throw stones from glass houses so on the self-care part it's really really important to take care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself like you can't really take care of other people at the level that you probably want to it's just not it's not gonna it's not gonna equal out and you have to also surrender to the fear that you'll disappoint people you know you kind of surrender and say like okay yes I may disappoint people or if I say no it may make them mad yes, they might be mad. And I believe in surrendering because it's this sort of all in release of let it be, let it be. And, um, I also found it empowering because I read in a, uh, teaching book that surrendering is creating a new beginning. So yes, let them be mad. But then the new beginning is they've learned 
where you stand, or if you disappoint someone, the new beginning is creating lower expectations because the bar has been too set high. And this idea of surrendering isn't powerless and helpless. Surrendering is actually really powerful because you're allowing yourself to have like a new beginning. So when you set a boundary, it's creating a new beginning for you and that person. And so if you can reframe that in your mind to be healthy, it's easier to then set the boundary and then surrender to the consequences that might follow it without the fear of what if she's mad at me or the fear of anger or disappointment. Um, so I've always tried to see a boundary as a chain of events, right? Boundary, upset feelings, surrendering to those upset feelings, and then we start fresh. And not seeing a boundary as like hard line that is cold or harsh or something like that. And I think women have a really hard time setting boundaries with one another because it's always read as cold or mean. And there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. But if we could kind of all practice that, I think we would evolve and be more mature as we're kind of going through some stuff. It kind of brings me to the question of like a friendship that you have with someone who's struggling, you know, to paraphrase, you had said to lead them to resources, lead them to help, listen to them, don't enable them. Um, what else would you say you feel like is important to as a friend to someone who might be in a darker place? I think you said this earlier, but just to reiterate, I think consistency is key. And also needing to recognize that there's going to be times that you invite them to something or check in with them and they might push you back. And that's, again, just kind of part of it. Um, a lot of times, I guess in my experience, I've found that um, it can be really hard, like you said, with the drawing the boundaries and the upset feelings of feeling like you're trying to help someone and they aren't recognizing that you could really be an asset to them and the kind of being told no or that I don't want help. I don't want this. I don't want that. Um, and that can be pretty upsetting because you're like, come on, like, just see that I'm here trying to help you. Or like, I don't have a problem. Like, leave me alone. Like, you know, the, they don't see their isolating as a concern. They don't see their increase of drugs or alcohol as a concern. So it's also the anger, like, I don't have a problem. Right. And then you're sitting there thinking, I think you do. <laughs> and, and the challenge of that. So I agree with you. And I like what Kat said earlier of in that sense, um, especially if you're met with kind of skepticism, rephrasing it. So reframing it instead of just checking in on them, offer to meet them for an activity. And if that doesn't work, kind of come at different angles where they might not necessarily see it on the surface as you checking in on them and being worried about them, but finding ways that you can actually see them. I think obviously there's physical restrictions to locations and where people or friends might be compared to you. But I think a huge thing is we can all mask so much through text messages or social media and really trying to find FaceTime, I think is really the only way you can truly see how someone might be. Cause I think there's so much physical manifestation in mental health as well. And I always try, um, even if it might be having to kind of come at different angles, trying to see someone in person and even just making the time to see someone can really go a long way. Absolutely. And I was just thinking about what's worked for me 
in the past um, and in recent, I lost my dad very recently. So I'm thinking about everything that has helped. The FaceTime calls have been really great. And then if I don't answer the FaceTime call, I have a friend who texts me and says, don't feel guilty or bad about calling me back. I'll just, you know, hopefully I catch you at a good time soon. And so she kind of took away the guilt because, you know, the next text message you send is, I'm so sorry. I didn't answer your call. I am, I'm kind of having a rough day, but I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'll call you as soon as I can. Right. So then you're trying to take care of their feelings because you missed their call. And so when a friend would do that and then say immediately, like, don't worry about calling me back. Don't feel guilty. It. I, I was just like, thank you. I love you. <laughs> you know, instantly I was like, thank you for taking that burden of guilt away from me. Hi everyone. Audrey here with a quick little offer for you. I know that most of you will agree with me when I say Mondays can be tough, tiring, unmotivating. You get the gist. What if I told you, you could start your week off feeling motivated and inspired instead. I created a membership program called Mondays with Audrey to do just that. Every Monday, you'll see me in your inbox with inspiration on a topic of the month, anything from sticking to your goals to setting healthy boundaries to mastering your morning routine. Each new month kicks off with a new topic and a new video followed by weekly emails to keep you motivated and accountable. This program is the place where I can stretch my wings, be myself and give candid advice from the heart. Sound up your alley? Learn more at www.simplybecounseling.net slash Mondays with Audrey and get access to a free month using the code well not perfect. Join me on Mondays and make it the best day of the week. Kat, my next question I really want to ask you is when you are working as a professional and you're in a job where there's responsibilities and expectations and you know you need to wake up and rise and get work done every single day, but you're having a rough day, how do you get yourself at the level to perform at work and get yourself kind of going without completely neglecting your mental health? Like what's a balance that you've struck? You're not perfect. This whole show is called, well, not perfect, but what's a nice, what's a nice balance that you struck on your good days? So I recently moved. So this is, this is more recent, but my mom, when I was at home during the pandemic, um, one of the things is I would just like give my mom a hug every day and be like, hi, good morning. And I, I wake up and I'm kind of like bubbly. Like, I don't, I don't know. I hate to be one of those people, but you know, I wake up and I'm usually like, all right, like great things are going to happen today. Like I try to re reframe my mindset from the jump, like to be really grateful. I have this amazing journal. I just got the five minute journal and you do like gratitude in the morning and at night you kind of wrap up and that's completely like, I used to just do three things I was grateful for every day in this journal and it's guidance has like completely restructured my brain. So before I even get out of bed, I like do my journal and I'm like, all right, like, let's go. Um, if, if I wake up and I'm not really in that mindset or I'm like, oh, I'm dreading this today at work or like, you know, you know, I'm not really feeling it today. I try to look outside of myself. I've just found that to be the most successful way to get out of my head. So I write a quote on a sticky note for my roommate every day and I like leave it in her bag. Um, cause I know like that little, that little thing is going to bring her joy. And that makes me smile knowing that like her day has just been brightened by, by me 
when I am in, when I'm like in a rut though, or I'm going through, like, I'll go through a few days of like patches of just like, meh, you know, like not totally feeling myself in a funk. And I schedule like dance parties every hour and a half. So I'll put like five minutes and it'll be like a notification. I'll put on like a favorite song, just like headphones in, we'll like dance around the living room um, and like sing because that that brings me so much joy like I love I think in another lifetime I would have been a Broadway star not this one maybe the next one but for me like singing and dancing it automatically I feel like my endorphins like go my serotonin's pumping and I'm like okay like I can do this right and then the last thing is putting something to look forward to that day or not the last thing but putting something to look forward to that day whether it's like okay, you know, tonight I'll order a sushi burrito. Like that's something that's forward to five o'clock. Like let's get it Uber Eats. Um, and then the last actual last thing, cause I know I've been talking a while is I like to, I, I was listening to a podcast and it was kind of, it was about essentialism. And I like to think about like writing down three things and it can span across work. It can span across personal life it usually skews towards like what'll make me feel like the day was a success, but like three things that like I'm going to do today and they all have to be in my control so that I know that like I have full control over it. Um, and like, I'm the only person putting in the inputs can't be reliant on anyone else. So for example, yesterday, one of them was take a 10 minute walk around the gardens. Like I was like, non-negotiable. If I do this, like one third of the way to a successful day or like a day that I can feel proud about. And like, at the end of the day, you know, you're checking it off and you're like, wow, like I did these three things, three things today. Like if I didn't do anything else, I did this. And that automatically puts me in a better headspace for sure. I love that. So we have the BU planner and in the planner there's five because I wanted the person to subscribe to one a month. So there's like five months of planners that delivered to your door. And one of the planners every day, you do a circle of control. So it's a circle and then you write everything in there that you have control of. And then everything that's like bothering you, you put outside of your circle. And then what you do is you basically use the inside of the circle to focus your energy and your time on. And then the things on your outside of your outside of the circle, you basically say, not yet. So it's not this all or nothing mentality. It's the right now I can do these things in the circle and then everything outside of the circle is a not yet. So in the planner, there's activities that change every month to kind of keep it fresh and keep you going. But what you're doing is a great way to add to that, which is like the mindset of if I do these three things, I'm one third successful. Like that's a great motivator and I'm going to steal that. I hope you don't mind. But. Take it, take it, okay. everyone, take whatever. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't also great. I hope you find, like, I feel like people listening sometimes are like, you know, I tried it. It didn't work at all. I totally am someone who's like one size does not fit all. I think like different things are going to work for different people. And it's been trial and error to the extreme with me for like different journals I bought or different books I've tried to read to like implement strategies, but that's, this is what's worked for me so far. Yeah. You have to have that growth mindset that, you know, everything adds to it. So eventually you'll process of elimination. You're going to get the 
process that works for you, like the planner, the journal, the to-do list, the app, you know, whatever kind of keeps you on track. Um, yeah, the productivity hacks that I use, I'm obsessed with. So completely agree with you on that one. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, I mean, what else, is there anything that we haven't really talked about that you feel like as a listener, learning who, learning how to be a better friend, learning how to take care of your own mental health. What's anything we, that we haven't put on the table yet? I think one thing from me, just like being a support system, being a friend that I had to really learn and still have to like tone back sometimes because I tend to like talk and give unsolicited advice is really just to listen. I think a lot of times it's easy for someone to say something and for you to automatically respond and be like, oh, well, this, this, and this, or, you know, bring up these things. And sometimes like all people need is just a pair of ears and like a shoulder and like to feel heard, to really feel like they're taking in what I'm saying. They're validating my emotions. Like I'm not a crazy person. Like in my brain, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm a crazy person. Like, um, you know, like knowing that it's totally okay. Like someone's there just like fully embracing you as you is goes, goes miles. That was something I learned with my sister was she finally was like, I know you're trying to help, but sometimes you being like, well, why don't you do this or this is really annoying. And like, sometimes all I need is to like cry and know that like you're on the other end of the phone and that's it. And she was like, and then I feel better. She's like, I don't need all the advice and it's lovely. And, and so now we have like a rule, like you ask for feedback, like we'll have conversations in my house where like with my mom, I'll be like, mom, I really just need two minutes to like, get this off my chest, bitch about it. Like, I know it's not the end of the world, but I need to get it out. And then once it's out, like, I don't need any advice. Like I know the right thing to do or like the right next steps in my mind, what are, what are right to me. Um, but listening is a huge, huge part of being a great friend in my opinion. Yeah. To go off of that, I also think generally be kind. Um, like I kind of talked about earlier, you have no idea what someone's really going through and even just smiling at a stranger on the street can make someone's day. So I think I always try to remember in addition to listening to someone, recognizing that I probably really have no idea what's going on in their life and, if they want to share that great. And if they do share it, I need to, um, listen without judgment. I think that's such a big one is someone might be going through something different that I have my opinions about, but at the end of the day, it's not my role to have any type of judgment towards what they're telling me. Um, and really remembering that just listening and recognizing that I can, um, I don't know, not, I'm never going to probably be able to fully understand what they're feeling, but knowing that if I just don't judge them and provide those listening ears that it can really help them. Yeah, absolutely. I think everything that we reviewed is going to be powerful and helpful because humans want to help other people. And we just need the skills and the education on how to do that. And starting this mental health conversation is going to be the way people learn from life experiences that are horrible and terrible, but you take those experiences and you turn them into things that are educational and growth minded, you know, everything that you're doing, podcasting, you know, everything. So, um, you know, you guys are definitely a model of how to take pain and sorrow and 
just terrible life moments into, you know, a legacy and um, super inspiring. And there's no doubt that I know people listening are spinning their wheels and thinking about how they can be a better friend and how that they can provide adequate support with boundaries and all the things that we talked about today. So thank you guys so much. And lastly, if people want to reach out to you or find you, where's the best place to get connected? Uh, my Instagram is at Claire with no I underscore <laughs> K-E-H-O-E. It's the weird spelling, but yes, Claire with no I underscore Kehoe is where you can find me. How many years of your life have you been saying that? Probably my entire life. There are other Claire's out there like me. It's the Irish spelling, (laughs) but it's tough. It's never, Starbucks has never spelled my name right, and they probably never will. Oh, and Cat with a K, how about you? Yes, Cat with a K. My my full name's Catherine, but only, I only get called that when I'm in trouble. Um, And it's Cat Zempolic. My last name is a doozy. It's Polish and there's been a few changes um, since my grandparents immigrated but uh, Z-E-M as in Mary P-O-L-I-C-H is how you spell it and then you can also find me at the mental matchup which is our podcast handle which is a lot easier I think to throw in the search bar yeah yeah absolutely well I'm Audrey Grunst G-R-U-N as in Nancy S as in C-U-T as in Tom (laughs) So I have to say my name every time I'm on the phone with Walgreens because I can never remember. Um, no, but you guys are so fun and enjoyable and, um, you know, just loads and loads of success and everything to you. And of course, let's continue this conversation and have all of our listeners continue to connect with you guys and support Morgan's message. I'll see you guys soon. And this is another episode of Well, Not Perfect. September is Suicide Prevention Month. This is a month dedicated to remembering and supporting those who have been affected by suicide, raising awareness and breaking the stigma. Morgan's message is one of so many organizations that are doing vital work towards suicide prevention this month and every month. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please reach out for support. Whether it's a therapist, a friend, a trusted loved one, a crisis line, or a community resource, you are not alone. For additional resources, check out the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to season two. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button and consider leaving me a review. And for more information on all things podcast, check us out at Instagram, well, not perfect and DM us any questions you have and content that you'd love to see this season. See you next week.